Hi, and welcome to episode 104 of the Talking with Painters podcast, where Australian painters talk about their life and art. What you just heard was the bird sounds around the New South Wales historic village of Hill End, about four hours west of Sydney, which I recorded when I interviewed Susan Baird at her home there for episode 77 of the podcast. We filmed a video on that day and you can see the short version of that on my YouTube channel and there'll be a link on that in the podcast notes as well on the website talkingwithpainters.com. And what you're about to hear in this episode is the full recording we took on that day, which is about 30 minutes long. I realize now that those video recordings are just as valuable as the podcast interview itself and that's why I'm bringing you this summer series of longer recordings from some of those video interviews. Susan Baird's episode is one of the most downloaded on the podcast. Her atmospheric landscapes evoking the Australian landscape are breathtaking and she's obviously struck a chord with many listeners. Her next solo show is coming up in June at Art House Gallery in Sydney and she currently has small works in a group show at that gallery. She's also represented by Flinders Lane Gallery in Melbourne and it was in the lead up to her last show there that we recorded this interview. Her home which is called Bowman's Cottage at Hill End, was built in the 1860s. And you can see stills from the video of the places and works we talk about as we wander around her property. We start off this conversation in the old shearing shed behind her cottage. Yeah, I love this old shed. It's the original old shearing shed. And it's just such a beautiful space inside. Very authentic. Is it? Do you want to come up and have a look? Yeah, sure. This is is basically another studio I'm waiting here. Yeah. So, um... Oh, wow. So what was this? It's an old um, shearing shed. Oh, so they had sheep. I guess at some point. (laughs) I'm not sure when that would have been, but... Oh, my God. Yeah. So it would make a fantastic painting studio wouldn't it so you're thinking of doing that i'd like to line a wall so at least i've got another space to use in summer because it gets really hot in that other studio right and it's it's just a a different yeah and i love these windows looking out onto the trees and and, you know you get a lovely natural breeze coming through so how old is this um place is your is the cottage i think it was built around um, 1860 it's one of the oldest remaining freehold cottages in Hilland because most of the houses here are on leases, oh, very long right, leases, right. and lots of artists have come and um, restored them and, and they live there. What's so special about being here is that you're just spoilt for choice and you can just think, well, where am I going to paint today? It's not like being in a studio where, yeah. you know, in Sydney... So do you find that um, with this show that's coming up at Flinders Lane, are all those paintings from this area? Yeah, they are. I started them when we first bought the place. Yeah. And I really didn't have a plan. I'm not the sort of artist that thinks I'm going to make 20 paintings of this. I'll just naturally kind of gravitate to something. Yeah. And then I'll think, oh, no, that's not kind of quite what I'm looking for. And just find that I end up, making a series of works about something. Quite often I'll move around, depending on where the light, if the light's, you know, not really happening for me. So do you find it's, that li- it's light that... It's light that I'm drawn to. Yeah. 
So does that mean that certain times of the day are going to be better than others? Generally, um, well, most artists would prefer early morning or later in the day. Mm. Um, it's not always practical to work like that. Mm. And I've kind of started working more in harsher light. So midday, like in the middle of the well, day? Well, start, I'll start in the morning, but inevitably, you know, a painting will take three or four hours. I don't really paint for more than four hours at a time. I'm not one of these people that paint all day and all night. Mm. So, Is that because you find that you... It's just so much energy. Mm. Painting outside is, takes a lot of energy and there's a lot of organisation and a lot of carting of stuff. Mm. And so um, I tend to set up my easel or, you know, in a spot mm. and, and just hope that the next day is going to be good weather. And... Um, Oh, so you'll leave it outside? I'll leave it out, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the paint, everything. I just cover it with a big plastic tarpaulin or something. And then I'll either put the painting in the back of the car or bring it back down to the studio. Yeah. yeah I think the neighbours think I'm mad because um, quite often I'm driving from here to there. But I'm just <laughs> well, like doing it metres. because I've got so much stuff to carry. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much colour, isn't there? Oh, so and they really, you really notice the colour too, because there's everything's deciduous and it's all wintry. Those birds really stand out, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. It's and it, yeah, it must be a totally different feel in summer, is it? Oh well, summer's very, very green here. Yeah, yeah really green, almost too green. Really? You know, we've got to unpack all that green somehow. So. Yeah. Um, it's a, green is a difficult colour to work with. Um, it's one of my favourite colours. I've done lots of green paintings. Mm. Have you got lots of different greens in the tube or would you mix them more from your, use your blues and yellows? It's a combination of both. Yeah, I've got favourite greens that I use. I wouldn't just use it straight out of the tube. I'd probably warm it up or cool it off. Or yeah. um, I'm currently really into hooker's green. There's two different, uh, I use, I paint mainly using old Holland paint and I do work fairly thin, like most of my paintings have start with big washes and then I go into them with a more kind of um, impasto sort of paint. Mm. I also love really bright green, like chrome green. So under that I'd have to put a lot of pink. So if I know the painting is going to have a lot of green in it, it'll, I'll, I'll use like a very bright pink um, under like ground and quite often I've got various versions of pink canvases hanging around in different sort of <laughs> it, sound, it might sound a bit weird but like a strong pink and then slightly fading away um, so that depending on what time of the day it is how much pink I want coming through That's and then so if it's winter I might just put a wash of burnt sienna over it or something just to kind of knock that pink back a bit there's all sorts of colours that I paint. I don't think I'm going to paint every ground pink in this whole show. It'll, so I'll that'll vary it. Affect, and that'll affect the, um, the green, obviously. Yeah, the, the first colour you paint with affects everything, all the other choices that you make going along the way. And sometimes you might just end up with just the tiniest little bit of it, but that colour informs all the, the other colours and mm. just little bits of pop coming through. Mm. 
Do you find that your um, palate varies with the different seasons? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, like, I have the same paints, but I will, like, I don't go out and buy a whole lot of different paints just because it's winter or summer. I've got pretty much standard colours that I work with. Mm. And that does kind of morph and change, and I don't know what that's about, like, I guess how you're feeling towards a landscape or um, I think my my paintings are very much inspired by um, my heart, like how I'm how I'm responding to something can do with my mood. Mm. And so um, I found with this last body of work, it's probably more muted, um, less 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 colourful. Mm. Um, but I hope that there's enough colour in it to like. I really respond to colour. So when the landscape becomes really like this, I find this a bit difficult actually. Yeah. But I love the clear blue. So that's, yeah. I'll pull on that beautiful, you know, clear blue. Oh, wow. What an amazing space. So this was part of the original building so there was oh, okay. a hay oh, this is so i've been told okay so this was a hay shed right what does that mean it had hay in it like they kept the hay I in it i think there was hay here right <laughs> <laughs> um separate from the house because these houses never were never joined up you never had hallways and kitchens and like there was the kitchen would have been a little dwelling the house was a little dwelling the the shed oh, was a dwelling because separate. of fires and right and um when the house got extended um, by the previous owners, they very cleverly um, joined this to the house and made a studio. So yeah. it's fantastic because I can come in here at night and I'm not scared of going outside. <laughs> or, you know, I can heat it to a reasonable degree by lighting fires in the kitchen, opening that door, and the heat comes in. Like, it's, it does get very hot in summer in here. Mm. Oh, it's a great space. It's a great space. space to actually be able to come and contemplate my work and see how it's all going. And I've never had a studio in the landscape before where I've a permanent space. Yeah. So um, prior to having Bowman's, I used to house mine for other artists that live up here and we'd rent places from time to time. And it was all very, you know, I'd come up with my canvases and I'd be on a deadline for two weeks and I've got to get the work done. In some ways, it actually worked really well for me. But then I'd take that work back to a Sydney studio. I'd take lots of photos, drawings, studies and work from there. So I'm much closer to the landscape now. So there's a bit of a shift in not only am I in one location, so whereas before, you know, if I was at you know, someone's house looking, painting on their veranda, for example, I'd be looking down at that landscape. And so previously my paintings really were more kind of like a story of Hill End to the eyes of these different aspects, whereas this is now um, the story of me being grounded in a place and having a home here. And I, um, I think that's maybe, you know, having a, hopefully a positive effect on my work, that mm. everything's here you know, I can go back to Sydney and 
of course, when I'm, you know, in the car driving home, I'm worried about my painting, thinking, oh, God, you know, how many weeks is it going to be till I get back? But it's actually quite good because it stops me from overworking my paintings. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And this is, this is one, I, I saw you post this on Instagram and I loved it when I saw it and, it's, and seeing it in real life is even better. Um, it's, it was, this beautiful painting was a finalist in the Colleen Art Award um, and I understand it was, it's like a life-size painting. Yeah, well, I just, I've been making paintings looking out of windows since I've been here because there's so many beautiful old windows, especially in the old part of the house. Yeah. And my friend Joanna Logue introduced me to um, an artist from Maine um, called Lois Dodd. And she's very well known for these amazing life-size window paintings that she paints. And I've always wanted to try and make a life-size window painting. So I've got the little ones that I make. Um, but, yeah, so I had a canvas here one day and I wasn't really feeling too precious about it. Yeah. And I set it up um, over there. This is, that's the window. And the oh, so that's the actual window. The windows usually open a little bit. So this is where I set up. I had my, um, my, my, my easel right here. And what was so brilliant about it... Yeah. I think I just all the planets aligned basically for this painting. So I had the had the canvas. It was already had a bad painting on it that I wanted to paint over. Yeah. Um, I set it up and it was beautiful because the lines of the window aligned perfectly with my canvas with my arm, and so I just looked out of that window and went right. You know, I just painted what I saw, and because there were these window panes. Every window pane was like a little mini painting. And so I just painted each little mini painting onto my canvas. I didn't have to really think too much. It was, it was yeah, it was just one of those. Yeah, that must have been so much fun. It was, it was actually fun. Painting, I don't find painting that fun, to be honest with you, but that was fun. <laughs> you usually just have to, you know, extract it from yourself. But no, yeah. that was a lot of fun. And then... What happened was um, my neighbour Sheena, who has the little shack next door, she um, knocked on the door and she said, oh, Susan, here's some lilac I've picked for you from, um, you know, down in the town. And it was perfect because the painting needed something. It was too green. And I had that, popped that um, lilac into the painting and it was just one of those works that was just very enjoyable. And tell me about, is this your palette? Yeah, so um, my painting table is, um, I'll just move it for you. I've had this for about five years now, maybe, maybe longer. And it was actually, um, it's, a, it's a home science table. And it was used oh. on the set of Puberty Blues, I've been told. And I bought it from a, um, a place that had fantastic secondhand stuff called Dug Up on Burke. And I think they're in there now in um, Surrey Hills oh yeah and what I love about it it's got four drawers so in every drawer I have my colors so look there's my blue there's my green (laughs) yeah so I can organize my paints my reds you know my earth colors or whatever so um that's so organized so you haven't got them on just in a big mountain I don't like mountains of paint no as you can see, I like, I like order. I don't take too many paints with me when I go outside. You know, I'll probably take a couple of greens. Um, 
I always have my burnt umber, my raw umber, a few blues, a purple, purpley grey, um, a combination of colours, like all the all of the colour spectrum, but not, you know, not 20 paints or anything. And I'll throw them into just like a, you know, like a dish like that. So then when I come back two weeks later and I have completely forgotten what colours I was painting with, <laughs> they're already in a container. Like they're, I leave that under the painting. I haven't taken notes. I'm really bad at taking notes about what I was doing and it's so helpful to do that because you might sell a painting and then a year later you think, wow, that was really successful. What did I do? And you can't remember. But if you've just got, sometimes I've just had some notes and I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. It was, that underpainting was actually Tasman blue and then I used a, you know, a purple or a, a grey or something yeah. over the top. So even if I've just got those first stages, it's just a way in to the painting. Definitely. So if you want to rework something similar. And I suppose the thing is when you, to break your, that flow, to go and write down the colours, people just, you, you don't want to do it. It's I sort of an it's effort. a discipline. Like I, I think it's a good thing to do though, like at the end of the day, to sit and actually take notes about your painting. But I guess it's a bit like, you know drawing and sketchbooks like I will come across things like this morning I came across some drawings in a sketchbook and I thought oh I need to go back to that drawing to figure out how to finish this other large work that I'm trying to finish mm. because the essence was right in that drawing that was the moment that first sometimes it's that first thing so when I'm painting I sometimes tend to think ah. Oh, if I sat down and kind of thought, oh, I'm going to put the vase here and the tree there and would I lose the moment? So it's kind of like good and bad. I, I like to just sometimes launch into something and just see what happens. Mm. And then it's all those accidents along the way and the reworking and the redrawing that, you know, helps to resolve the work. Yeah. So can you give me an idea, like, of your day if you're going to do plein air painting, um, so what, what, what does, does your day look like? Well, I probably would have thought about what I'm going to paint the day before or would have been thinking about it probably for a week or more. Like I've been thinking, oh, I really must go and I really should go and paint that sometime. So I'll see something in the way the light hits mm. a subject and I just want to go back and explore that. Mm. And we were looking at that dam before, which doesn't have water in it at the moment, but I can imagine those reflections must have been, must be really appealing. Yes, they are. And it changes all the time. Like you can go there one day and it's got that really beautiful muddy look and then you've got that, that beautiful blue sky with those big white puffy clouds that happen in Hilland and you can be up there and then you're just watching those puffy clouds move across the dam. Yeah, I just find it really mesmerising. I love walking up there and it's so close to my house. So I can set up can come back and have lunch. I can go back out if I get too hot. And there's a little shack so I can lay, lay my paintings flat just so that they don't, the paint doesn't run everywhere. Yeah, um, oh, right. I use very fluid paint. And do you want it to drip? No, not really. If it drips, I'll usually scrape it with a, with a squeegee to create a mark. I don't really like drips as an effect in a painting. I like it as 
I mean, sometimes they can work as if it's part of a, I don't know. You can tell if a painting's, you know, has intentional drips put on. I don't really like that. Well, that, that painting behind you actually is the dam we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, so I've made a few paintings, well, several paintings of this, this one. Um, I'm really happy with this painting because I think it's the last one I made in the series. Mm. It was all done outside. I didn't tamper with it at all. Like there's that thing of bringing a work back into the studio and you can make them look more, um, I don't know, resolved or... But there's something really beautiful about that in-between that sort of you don't get that same... Well, I can't create that same shift, um, visual shift in my work in the studio. I can only do it when I'm outside because I'm using my peripheral vision and how I'm painting. I'm, not, I'm just picking up sort of things that come to me. When you say visual shift, what does that mean? Because I've heard other artists talk about oh, it. Oh, right, okay. Well, okay, really... I'll explain it like, you know when you walk, say, going for a walk and you might walk from A to B and you're kind of just enjoying being in the landscape or enjoying the walk and different things come into your, into your eye. That's, that's what I mean by visual shift. It's not like a static... It's like you're painting a photograph where you're taking... That's a whole different thing again. It's more put, trying to pull on, the, pull on the essence of what it is that you're looking at and to try and find some kind of order in the landscape. So, so it's almost choosing what you're going to include. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so once you brought the painting here, you're, you're going to lose sometimes that. You, well, the funny thing is is that you can, work, you can be working on the painting and bring it into the studio and you think, oh, I've just got so much more to do on that work. I didn't, didn't, you know, I don't know, paint that tree or there was a really nice passage through there. I need to go back and put that in. And then sometimes it just has a life of its own. You think, no, actually, I'm just going to leave this because it's, it's speaking of, you know, the essence of what it is that I wanted to paint in the first place without having to put in all of that extraneous detail. And do you think you need, do you find you need time between when you've painted it and when you make that decision whether it's finished or not? Um, sometimes you know straight away, you can look at a painting and think, mm, that painting's got legs, I like that painting. But it's usually not until I come back some weeks later and look at them and think actually too scared to go back into that painting now <laughs> so sometimes it's a matter of it's you know it's think, oh if I'm going to wreck I'm going to wreck it I'm going to lose the essence of you know the poetry or whatever it is in the in those first marks but sometimes too that's just not enough and you just think ah, oh, mm. I'm going to have to lose this to actually you know kill off your heroes is what they say so yeah definitely mm. What type of light appeals to you the most? What part of the day? In all honesty, I love the dusk time of day. Can you paint at that time? Is that, it must be tricky to try and paint that from life in it's, a way, plein air. You have to set up early in the afternoon or, you know, three or four o'clock, get ready, and it's all about knowing. I think to pull off a really good painting that's at night, you need to really know... <laughs> We kind of have to be prepared for what's going to happen. Mm. Um, and inevitably things change and um, 
Yeah, I'm just trying to remember back to some of those. I did a series of paintings of that sort of more dusk um, around, you know, like around Hill End. Mm-hmm. And I'd paint. I'd start them, and I'd probably go back to them the next night, or put a glaze over it, or something. Would you Would you approach that sort of light in a different way when you start that painting? Yeah, very, very differently. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, the light's completely different. Yeah. And so, what I'll be looking for is um, my ground color. I like the color of the canvas to inform the other colors that I'm using. So, if it's a night painting, generally I will. You know, if I'm using pink, the pink's going to be a lot more um, intensely applied. Um, but I do also kind of use purple as well for backgrounds for dust paintings. You've got to be very careful using purple, but I really like purple. And so that would, the purpose of that is so it can show it through. It kind of just gives a little bit of a luminosity or a, you know how like the night can be really light and beautifully coloured as well as the day? It's almost has more colour in a way. And especially here, the light here at night is so mystical and beautiful. It's really transporting. So yeah, yeah. if you use a colour like purple, then it's kind of got that mystical quality yeah. about it. So yeah. then you can bring in yellows and other colours that really work with that. Mm. What a great artist. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't heard it already, you can hear all about Susan's life and how she became an artist in episode 77 and see the video on the Talking With Painters YouTube channel. You just need to search Talking With Painters Susan Baird on YouTube. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me next time for the next episode of Talking With Painters.